Welcome to Penthouse Talk, Episode 4, featuring DJ Reds. I'm your host, Jay Pirro, and while the world's going crazy right now, we're moving the culture forward while embracing and encouraging others to do the same. Okay, okay, before we get into last week's crazy events, um, I just want to make a correction about Episode 3. So I mentioned how um, Kendrick Lamar actually um, won a Nobel Peace Prize. I don't know why the hell I said that. I meant to say he won a Pulitzer Prize for his album, Damn. And everybody know that's the album that's critically acclaimed, but so many things be running through your head when you're doing these podcasts. So I truly apologize, and um, I didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings or make anybody feel a certain way um, by me not stating the correct thing. In my mind, I thought I said the right thing, but when it came out, it just didn't come out right. And y'all got to understand, this podcast stuff is not easy. It's actually harder to do episodes um, solo than it is to actually do an episode um, when you have a feature or um, someone being your guest and all of that stuff. So I just wanted to clear that out and um, I want us to get into this next episode. Alright, that's a little bit better. Okay, man. Alright, I think I'm ready now. Corona got everybody going crazy. And um, last weekend, I was doing some shopping, trying to get some groceries or whatever. My son's got to eat, you know. They eating everything. I know all of y'all, shout out to everybody that got kids right now. I know your kids are, like, killing all of your food, your groceries, and snacks, whatever it is that's here. It's like they just run through it. So I had to go to the supermarket, so I'm out and about. And um, I get back home, I get in the crib, so I know a lot of my friends or people that I'm cool with have that Citizens app, and um, the Citizens app had reported, like, on Parkside or St. Clair Lane, it said the Giant, um, basically, somebody got slapped with a pack of bacon, and I'm looking at it like, man, I'm I'm not on the app, because I feel like it's just, it's too much information, so I know sometimes too much information is, is too much information, so for me, I try to stay away from getting too much information, but I like to be informed, and I like to know about current events. So I just couldn't believe it. So I start, you know, texting people like, yo, you, you heard about this? So people hit me back like, yeah, this this shit real. Like it was on the Citizens app for real. And, you know, that's the side of town I'm from. So, you know, I start hitting people that, you know, I kind of came up with and they were saying the same thing to me. So I was like, man, yo, like I feel like that's like the ultimate disrespect. Like I feel like sometimes when we've been watching the reality shows and people spit on each other. I know that's like probably like the top tier ultimate disrespect, but I feel like this definitely has something to do with the price or the cost of that item. Like you just don't slap somebody with a pack of bacon or whatever it is. Like you just don't assault somebody with an actual piece of meat, you know, pause. Like it's crazy. Like I just can't even fathom that happening to me and then be the manager at that. Like was the price that serious? Like y'all holding on to the price. Like I don't know who was more at fault? I don't know if it's the customer or if it's more 
for the manager. We don't know the real story. I never really dove into it, but I thought I would bring it up for today's show because I thought it was like, <laughs> I thought that shit was crazy. And it's just letting you know that how high strung people getting over this uh, crazy pandemic that we going through right now. So moving on, um, starting this week, I've starting I've started to see like Walmart. Um, Giant really haven't expressed it, but Trader Joe's actually expressed like letting five people in the store at a time. And my son's got their lemonade stand, um, their business going. So I, I need a lot of supplies daily. And when I went to the store on Thursday, I thought I could just slide through there like around 630, go grab what I need, be able to come back and just keep it moving. And, and you know, we get the product moving or whatever. So when I walk to the store, I, you know, I get out the car, I got my earbuds on. I'm probably listening to like a mixtape or something. And as I'm walking, I'm just seeing like everything at a standstill. So I don't see nobody in the store. I'm like, damn, I picked the perfect time. I'm going to slide in the store. I'm coming right back out. Go grab my car, walk straight to the door. Boom. I see this little short girl. She waving me down like, hey, she got her mask on and she t- she trying to tell me, hey, you, you got to stand in the line. And then she points to like her left, and which is my right. And as I look. The whole damn shopping center where Trader Joe's is, it's people standing outside. That shit wrapped around the building like, whereas though it was already like 6.45 by the time I get into the line. And I, I considered getting in the line, but then I thought about it. I was like, by the time I get in the store, it's going to be like 7. They probably getting ready to close. And then on top of that, because they got reduced hours, the people don't want to be there any goddamn way. So I felt like, man, it's my time to just dip. I'm going somewhere else. So I went to Giant, got it done. But every time I go in Giant, I just be feeling crazy. So I always, I've been wearing my mask in Giant for at least like three weeks now. Every time that I go out. It's just a it's just a crazy feeling, a crazy experience that um, a lot of us that are 80s and uh, late 70s babies, we, we've been through a lot of different things. But this is probably one of the craziest. And um, I, I just think this is a crazy time in the world. And it even trickles down to when you order fast food like DoorDash they just leave your shit at the door like whereas though Amazon is to the to the same point like they do the same thing like you order packages from Amazon I be getting packages so much right now like I feel like it's never gonna be this good I've never got my mail this consistent I get more mail now than I did when you know I wasn't home and like I felt like you know what I'm saying like the process in getting mail is so crazy right now that you literally can get whatever you want by mail. Like it can be delivered. More people are giving you more options. So the pandemic isn't as bad as people make it out to be. Um, as far as what convenience has to offer to us, as far as people dying in the deaths, that's my main concern about it. I don't really, I don't really have a problem with us having to deal with it. I have the problem that people are dying, and there's nothing that we've been able to do to slow it down and stop. And I know that's just something that has been expressed over time and the warning signs and all of that. And that all comes into play. So um, I just say that to say that this is why the world is at a standstill right now. Um, It's definitely because there's nothing that um, our president has um, not known. And he's known with ample time to try to get an edge or a handle on it since he's been in office and even other individuals have tried things. But, I mean, we got other bigger problems at hand as well. Um, not only do we have the scenario with the pandemic going on, we still got the water crisis in Detroit. 
we still got jails that have to tend to prisoners who have contracted um, COVID for COVID-19. I was about to say 14, but COVID-19 and, um, you know, people on respirators. We running out of respirators. We, we actually have fucking ran out of the face mask. So starting tomorrow, which will be Saturday, everybody in Maryland has to wear a face mask when you're out in public into a store. So right now I'm running low on it. So I need like the permanent mask. So I have one. And um, even my son's got to win. You know, everybody in the house, you know, everybody, my wife, everybody got to wear the, the face mask. So it's like this is not what we ever thought that the world would come to. We never thought that we would get to the point where it's almost like the Jetsons and everybody lives in like their own individual bubble. But I feel like this is what some people wanted. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think this is something that we all saw over time, but we never thought we would see it in real life. And so it's like kind of like World War Three or Four when you walk outside, like everything seemed like it's just surreal. And this is a movie that we live in. And, you know, I just hope we make it through. So I hope everybody stay prayed up, blessed up and um, let's just stay positive. Yo, yo, we back in Penthouse Talk. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We talk. Yeah, so it'd be like, it'd be like, yo, who the fuck is this? That's kind of the way, you know what I mean? I was I was able to come up through the ranks. I was getting respect from my, from my DJ peers. Like, I'm selling mixtapes to the public since I was a child. But I'm also giving these mixtapes to DJs Post taste makers, I feel need to hear them. You know what I mean? Like, I need y'all to check for me. And you know, when you young, you ain't it. I, I wasn't old enough to get in clubs when I first started DJing. I wasn't old enough to get in clubs when I felt like I was nice enough for people to hear me. And that's another thing. I see a lot of people. I mean, and technology has advanced the pace of you know, you you know what I mean, like. When, when your confidence level is to a point you want other people to hear you, but back in the day, like, nah, like, niggas wasn't just, niggas ain't just start mixing two months and they DJing parties. Hell no. Nah. That shit was like a breeding they, ground. Like, I remember where as though, like, I don't even, I ain't even on front. Like, you probably couldn't even, after you, if you was DJing two months, you might carry a nigga records for like two, three years before you even touch that shit. Like, I ain't exactly. even even if y'all was home, it's that, like I don't, I don't think I ever touched nobody uh, equipment in um in the club or even if that shit was like a bar or lounge, like it literally would be like at eight forty five. Like niggas might, you know what I'm saying? You might get there, set up like eight o'clock, eight thirty, and then niggas start coming in there at nine thirty, ten o'clock. You know, a little a couple years ago, maybe I ain't gonna say a couple, at least fifteen to twenty years ago, people was hitting the club earlier. But you know now prime time don't even be till like eleven, eleven thirty, sometimes twelve o'clock. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. if somebody I, I remember um and I and I ain't I ain't even doing a lot of name dropping. I'm just trying to I'm trying to uh remember because I've learned from so many different people that's taught me little jewels and pieces like Blackstar when he used to do parties, right? When he was DJing back in the day. And he used to do like parties out my way, or we used to do like mm-hmm. little spots. Yeah, that's the home. Uh, he used to take like basically we used to all like 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 pile up, get in a whip car wherever we used to go, help him unload, 
and and then set up and then he would be like, yo, check the sound and we'd be checking the sound and shit. So, you know, he might start spending a couple of records <laughs> and when he would spend the records, he'd be like, yo, he would teach niggas about like how BPMs work and all of that. We knew how to count beats, but he would let us like kind of like fuck with songs blending and little shit. So by the time, you know, I might get a good five to 10 minutes to learn these jewels you know, after five, six, seven parties, you kind of be like, oh, shit, I, I, can, I know how to blend. So you, all right, I'm learning. He might have taught me this or I might have got this from you. I might have got like a couple scratch uh, ways to cue or uh, make sure when I'm when I'm transitioning how to make it smoother. What can I do to sound unique? You know, I might have got that from you. You know, Lil Mike might have taught me shit about like picking the right beat because sometimes like even though it's two BPMs, that's the same you could bring on a new song and fuck the whole party up. So it's like little mm-hmm. like like people everybody shows you something from somebody else and if you don't take that as like a tool to keep you guiding along that route and that path which which is something that we keep going back to in this whole conversation is like yo if you don't take what other people trying to tell you and then you mm-hmm. use it toward like what your your path is or what your path could be what you see for yourself, you are gonna be stuck in that damn hamster wheel forever, like never seeing nothing. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, you're not gonna elevate as far as skill wise, as far as you know, opening up yourself. You never know. Like it, it be motherfuckers that's DJing, but really should be fucking comedians or right. you know, talk show hosts or rappers or fucking. You know what I mean? You find out a nigga DJ, and then you find out the nigga is artistically gifted and can freestyle paint. It's just different things, and it's just I, I I look at the whole all the forms and facets of this, and I'm like, yo, at the end of the day, if we just looked at Will Smith as the rapper that made parents don't understand and won a Grammy, and he beat his chest like that. I mean, they already call him corny, which I feel is crazy. I'm like, he just got a lively spirit, mm. but he would never, he would never be the Will Smith that he is today. Like he opened himself up and became a movie star. You know what I mean? Like, but do you think like he didn't? Yeah, no, no, I wasn't trying to cut you off at all. Um, no, with, go ahead. I'm with, sorry. With that thought, I wanted to just stop you right there because this is something that I, I think like. I fought with this for a long time and you probably fight with it too. Like when the difference between being like an introvert or like an extrovert and the type of stuff that we do, I think a lot of people expect us to be extroverted when it comes to being a DJ or when it comes to being a rapper, a singer, actor, comedian. Like I think people don't understand that there's different feelings or different ways that you convey how you are to people depending on the setting you in or just the type of person that you are like and being comfortable with yourself so like me when I look at it like the older that I'm that I've gotten I listen to the music and the music is more it it feels like I'm really talking to you about what I be going through or shit that's on my mind more or less before when you're young, you don't understand the, the the way of creating songs and stuff. You just want to chew people head off with lyrics and trying to make them understand you. The same way we like DJing. Like sometimes DJs like look for the hits, and and this was a discussion. It's funny. 
play all the trap records, play all the trap records, and then you burnt out at the fucking party because you let one yeah. of the consumers of the party or one of the people that came to listen to music or some people's aspect of the party is different than yours as the DJ. It's funny as shit. Some people's aspect is to go out and get fucked up. So if you going out to get fucked up, that means you want to hear Lil Uzi Vert, you want to hear Future. I'm not banging Lil Uzi Vert and Future at a fucking day party from 3 to 7 at 3.05. I'm not coming into the party like that. Because most of the time when you come yeah. into the day party, at the end of the day, nigga, that's some 90s R&B right there. Or that's that's some... Yeah. It's, it's, it's just like a different wave or a different feel. And if the weather nice, niggas don't... Niggas might want to hear that, but that ain't the time to play it. And I'm... And I'm I'm saying that. I'm good, my bad. I'm sorry. Um, no, I'm just I'm saying that just to just to piggyback off of like like your last thought. Uh, it's just like you y- y'all just see what's in front of you. You don't see what the long term effects of what you do is going to make you burn out early as shit in the type of path that. Yo, you're going. let me tell you, when motherfuckers sit up here and. All they want to hear is this trap, trap, turn up, lit, 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 da 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 all that. It's rules and guidelines to partying, man. Partying is never a constant rise. It's like clubs especially that sell liquor. If you got everybody, if you got the whole party, you didn't build these people up, you came in on 10, you keeping it on 10 the whole time? Mm-hmm. Man, this club not even going to make no money outside of what people paid to get in. Nobody's drinking. You didn't even build this shit up. Like, it's 9.30, 10 o'clock. You coming in, you playing all little baby, the baby. <laughs> people are going to be upset with you. They're going to be upset. You got to build this thing up. You can come in. You can come in on some smooth R&B shit that, that make people want to drink get fucked up, and then, like, you know what I'm saying? As the night progresses, so does the energy. Exactly. Exactly. They, they, that, yo, this, matter of fact, this what, this what we came to do here on episode two. We came here to tell y'all, like, all that microwave shit, it's really over right now. Like, look at this shit. Just look at it. Like, I got a homie, he live in LA, and, um, you know what I'm saying? He, he, we didn't go to high school together. I met him at one of my jobs, but um, he's actually moved from Maryland to New York to Cali to Las Vegas. And I mean, he's done that shit literally in the last five to six years. So he, on average, he stays in a state about two years and he'd be telling mm-hmm. me all of the all of the ins and outs and me and him chop it up like probably two to three times a week and then the rest of the time we just be texting about shit but I physically talk to him probably like two or three times a week on the phone and shit and when we be talking mm-hmm. he be telling me like how people in LA are <laughs> like almost live a facade like it's a, it's a life that's different than what they really what what the way that we interpret it or the way that we might see it mm-hmm. and I look mm-hmm. I, and and I've seen people like fl- like flock and fly to like these different states. So he told me that like for me, I thought going to Atlanta was going to be the place for me. But every time I get the opportunity to do these big moves and changes in life, there's always some crazy ass transition that stops me from going. And I'm not saying that it's Baltimore pulling me back. 
I'm saying that every time it probably ain't my time to make that move. And right. having having the kids and stuff is a little bit different, but it doesn't stop me from um from doing what you came to do. So I'm looking at it like right. this. Like it's funny. You can be a DJ and you can literally live in like Chicago. I'm just using Chicago as an example. You can live in Chicago, you can go DJ a party for one of the housewives of Atlanta or or Orange County, whatever fucking one you want to choose. You can do a party for them, make whatever amount it is. I'm not screaming no numbers because I don't want no DJs trying to come at me for saying a low number, what they think is high. And then you can come back home with your family, do your thing with your family, your kids, your wife, your girlfriend, whatever it be, and or even be back around the way. And then you can go DJ at your radio station from your crib. Like Frank Ski showed us that. Like, you know, you can have a studio. You know what I'm saying? I know Tom Joyne and Ricky Smiley and them, they got to have multiple ways for them to be able to record when they got stuff going on. And because of the pandemic, you got to learn how to think outside the box and learn how to get to it in a different way than what you just used to. And that whole crab in the barrel theory, I think it's an excuse that a lot of people be using because... We was talking about like how Will Smith and how people interpret him as being goofy or like a clown or a nerd or whatever. Like, how can you ever view somebody who it's not even about making the money? Like the the motherfucker was in the movie Independence Day, Men in Black, all of these great movies. And I, I see nothing but other up and coming artists getting respect from him. Like literally he's calling these artists or taking time out his day to tell them how great they are. New people, like new artists, not just the people he know. I mean, new up and coming people. Like mm-hmm. I seen him reach out to join the Lucas. I saw him do it with like B Simone. And we live in a world where people don't have to necessarily touch you. The social distancing has been happening for like the last twenty years. People just don't want to acknowledge it. Niggas with social exactly. distancing in parties. You got, mm-hmm. I be watching the shit. I went to a party at Patapsico Arena last year. The shit had like four DJs. Um, and the party got four DJs. So it's niggas rocking the whole night. Y'all on your phone the whole fucking time in the party. Mm-hmm. And it's not the mm-hmm. DJ wasn't rocking. So like all the people was ready to party. They all in the mix in the middle. But then at the, on the, in the, and then in the inside of it, you got everybody got their bottles, their drinks. They having a good ass time. Then you got all the, the goons and the suckers on the outside of the shit and they starting shit they getting in the shit they talking shit like and trying to get everybody to see their outfits and all of that kind of stuff like and then you got the girls that's stuck in the mix they don't know what to do they don't know if they trying to find a ball in, in a room they don't know if they want to mm-hmm. be at the table standing on the table the couches wherever it is and in these parties I'm looking at it like yo y'all actually created social distancing from each other once Facebook came, Twitter, Instagram, and all of these yeah. platforms came. Now it's hard for you to stay in a house because now you don't have somewhere to go and take a picture and say that you were there just to say that you was there. But did you enjoy yourself when you was there? That's that's the part where what I miss about the party. Like I miss, like I'm not saying that I miss going out to a party and say, "Oh shit, niggas was beefing," or somebody almost got shot. I'm not saying that part, but I'm saying I miss the the element of going to the party and be like, "Yo, nigga, Riz was on for like an hour and a half. He was rocking." 
And then, you know what I'm saying? Quick mm-hmm. came on for another hour. He rocked out. Like, I miss. Why don't we have parties like that anymore? Like, did it get to the point where the promoter... Or the- you, got niggas, you got niggas mentally competing against each other. The social media got us paying attention to each other more than we should. Yeah. Like, so, like, did it really get to that point where the promoter feel like, or not even the promoter, I don't even want to say the promoter, like the owner of spots feel like you can only have one or two DJs now? Like, you know, all them big parties that used to have like three, four, and five DJs coming in, like on the night, like y'all don't want to pay nobody? Or is it or is it an ego thing? Like, what, what you think? I think, I think what happened was the promoter took control. Mm. Especially in Baltimore. Baltimore always used to be a DJ-driven town. The DJ was the star. You know what I'm saying? Um, I know in D.C., when I first pulled wind of this, the promoters in D.C. were not putting the DJ's names on the flyers because they were taking back control or, or, or they was maintaining control of the party scene. Um, in Baltimore, you had to put the DJ's name on the flyer because people wanted to know who was DJing. Mm-hmm. At a certain, it's getting back to that now, but at a certain point, if you remember, niggas wasn't putting the DJ name on flyers like that. That's crazy. The, prom- the promoters, especially the out of town promoters, you know what I mean, they weren't really putting the DJ. Hold on, my children just came in. That's all good. I understand. Yeah. So they, they. You know what I mean? Like it's like right now we regaining that respect, but think about it. Like DJ stood alone because we were doing shit to stand alone. At a certain point, we was making mixtapes. We was we was introducing artists. We was fucking sitting up here and we was holding our own. Then DJ started hooking up with promoters to get some exposure. You know what I mean? Like. That was later on down the line when the promoters took over. So now DJs, they trying to lock in with these different promoters so that they could get work. Back in the day, it was like how I do at Moby's. I got a relationship with the club. Don't nobody, ain't no promoters on that on Thursday. That's wall to wall every Thursday. That's because the synergy is there. Now it's a microwave synergy going on. It ain't even, it ain't even authentic. It's like, we're a group of promoters. This is the DJ we rocking with. So now y'all got to rock with that DJ because we said so. Yeah. Back in the day, it was like, the people yeah, we're promoters. It was like, yeah, like back in the day, it was like the people decided that these DJs was hot. And we the, and we the promoters, we going to book this venue and we need to book the hottest DJ. That's how it used to be. Yeah, it ain't like that no more. I was going to say like, I feel like like the era that we grew up in before, like you know, we was we were younger than um, mostly everybody that that's now like the OGs that we look up to. But um, I was thinking about like I never knew who DJ Booby was like what he looked like. I might have met him like once or twice when I was like in my teenage years. Um, but like Booby or like Sean Marshall and like all of those DJs from um, you know the 90s when when they really was like popping and they were in their prime we knew who they were based off of their name like we never had to question like how good they was other than us seeing one of their tapes like seeing one of their max sell tapes 
Like they ain't even yeah. had artwork like we be having and shit now. Like we be having like a PDF, a file. Oh, nah, they put, they put the stamp. You need the stamp, my brother. I had a stamp. Mm-hmm. Put the stamp with the volume on the strip. Yeah. And you mass duplicate them and you jam. That's how it was. Like you could have that artwork and all that shit. But back in the day, we just wanted a nice Maxell or a TVK yeah. with your stamp on it. And we know that's the next volume you just put out. And you just on that tape, mixing your heart out on one side. When it clicks, you flip it over and keep mixing. You know what I'm saying? That's that. And and that's what DJs in the 90s brought to the table. Then, you know, technology. Once technology made every DJ sound flawless, because everybody started using editing programs. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. At a certain point in time, everybody was using editing programs. They was using Cool Edit Pro or Adobe or Audacity, and these shits making your mixtapes sound flawless. <laughs> it's so funny you day. talk about that shit, man. That's that's this is this is hilarious because that was that's me. That's me making a mixtape now, like because I I got the knowledge of knowing what to do, like. Yeah, because you know production. Yeah, y'all, you know, like, pro- y'all didn't have that in the beginning. Y'all didn't have it. You had to do it live. Like, yo, that's the art of being a DJ. Like, doing it live with no, with no, uh, no third party help. You know what I mean? Right. Indeed. I mean, uh, all the mix- when when I got to a point where I was just posting mixtapes like Smash and all of them, mm-hmm. like. I was I was making all of them. I'm even before that when I was doing like my little blend mixtape. At a certain point, it's like once you know better, you're gonna do better. So if it's a way for you to make a mixtape and it sounds flawless, all the levels are the same. You know what I mean? Everything is the same. You're gonna go that route, especially if you're putting out a, a, a situation that you're gonna mask. You know, you're going to yeah. mass duplicate and put it out there. You can't have yourself looking crazy. So you got, it's imperative that you know these programs. But a lot of people was using that program, those programs as crutches to make themselves sound better than what they really are, mm-hmm. if you get what I'm saying. Understood. So it's like, I could do a blend mixtape. Yeah. I'm laying acapellas over beats and all that. But you still hear my skill level in it. You still hear me scratching. You still hear me transforming and doing all these things. But then you got some DJs that they can't do that same shit live. You know what I mean? Like Man, that shit is I hard. Real- that shit is hard. Yeah. And I'm not making an excuse. But what you're saying is 100% true because I just did my first blend tape, man. That shit took me literally, I want to say it took me, it took me about five days to do that shit. And when I tell you five days, and I don't mean five days of like doing one or two songs here or there. I mean, it took me five days of almost like at least six and seven hours a day fixing shit, making sure the blends sound right. And then I was listening back to it. I ain't even really got scratching and transforming because when I was doing my, my cuts and stuff live, it was so much shit going on. And then, like, my doorbell might ring or my kids might want something. My wife might mm-hmm. ask me a question. All of those little intricate things that I could do, I only had multiple times that I, I only had, like, uh, how can I put it? Minimal times that I could perform it because the beat changing, 
the blend need to change or somebody verse need to stop, a new one need to come in. And when you're doing that, mm-hmm. like a lot of y'all use four decks. A lot of us that's still learning how to maneuver from decks two, one and two to three and four, that shit is hard. Like, and you got to do it on the fly. You you can't, you know what I'm saying? If you're really trying to show people to perform it, you can do it in two decks as possible because you see DJ Scratch and like uh, Jazzy Jeff and like all of those guys that's been doing this shit for like 30, 40 years, you know, they, they super nice with it. But it's guys like you who know how to do this and you're doing it on the fly. And you have to save time, especially when you're doing a mixtape with like a rapper or a singer or something like that. You got to buy time. Like, you know, you don't got time to waste. So you got to use your software and tools. But listen, I, I I wholeheartedly take exactly what you just said. You know, like I, I take that not with a grain of salt at all. I take that like on, on full, like that mixtape. I got the 45 minutes. Like, man, fuck y'all. I don't care about the other 15 minutes. I was trying to give y'all 60 minutes. No, we stopped at 45 because... This shit is a mm-hmm. lot, but yeah, it's a it's a very it's a very tedious process. Very. But y'all raised the bar so high for DJs and people, other people that come along like me, that I had to make my shit. My shit has to sound good. So I also believe in this theory as well. Sometimes when something sounds too good, you're not going to get mm-hmm. respected for how it sounds. I'm and and I'm, mm-hmm. when I say too good, I don't mean too good. Like, uh, like. Like rapping, like as far as like uh, it sounds good, or DJing as far as like I'm talking about like the sound quality. Sometimes like how we hear shit, like if niggas getting mixtapes off of live mixtapes and the shit that come from niggas that's in the industry and you and their mixes is fucked up. Like I be listening to hella artists shit, and sometimes and I ain't even speaking on myself. Like a lot of people shit, I be mixing for other people. Like a lot of other artists mm-hmm. be coming to me and, and they want me to like mix shit, and I tell them like, yo, I'm not. Don't come to me for a master because I don't know what you how you like your vocals to sound other than what you tell me and how I think it should sound with the beat. Every mix should be right. different. So I'm never mixing the same song the same way. So I'm mm-hmm. lo- I'm looking I'm looking at the way that if I listen to um I mean I don't even want to use like a, a rapper's example, but if I'm listening to the Migos and I know most of that shit is eight oh eight driven and I hear the eight oh eight peaking in their early mixtapes, when they didn't have as much money as they got now, that shit used to peak and pop when you listen to it in the speakers, no matter what kind of speakers you got. But now that shit be mixed so well because they got money and they got the ability to do it. People mm-hmm. listen to music differently. Gucci Man shit was like that. Niggas loved it when it was fucked up. But you notice like now, because the music is sounding clean, and niggas say, oh, I don't like the way Gucci shit sound now. Because Yo, niggas is crazy. I don't mean to touch you off. Mm-hmm. Do you know an era in time where they was giving us some some hard ass music, but ethically it was some fucked up shit? Wu Tang Clan, nigga. Right, right, <laughs> right. Wu Tang Clan, we was loving that shit, man. But this nigga rap for twelve bars, this nigga go for thirty. You know what I'm saying? This shit just it'll cut off in the middle of a verse, like. The beats were unorthodox. They didn't have no regular pattern to them, but we loved that shit. That shit is crazy because we... I, I, I watched people last week, race on, on the internet when they had the battle for uh, DJ Premier in the RZA. And I, mm-hmm. think that was the, I think that was a good-ass matchup. And I, I remember me and my homeboy, my homeboy a DJ, shout out DJ S5. He from Queens. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's mm-hmm. my man. I grew up with him or whatever. And he came to be more shit. So... 
if anybody could relate to both genres, you know, niggas from Baltimore could probably more relate to like the primo beats because you know what I'm saying? We don't have a, we didn't never have an element. We had to create like rap here. So everything that we did was kind of based off of the way other rappers did it. And then over time we evolved into doing our raps over like club beats that's like broke down or slowed down and shit like that. And then now, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's our style. Niggas can't take that away from here. So when they had this battle, niggas from New York and Jersey, all the up top niggas, they this this was like the pinnacle for them. Like this was this was like the gods battling. And when you say like the Wu Tang shit I think I started making beats really literally based off of like how Wu-Tang shit was, right? So dusty ass records and you hearing the record crackle when you sampling it and shit like that. And I literally, me and him went back and forth. We had a good rapport about it. And his argument was that Primo Catalog was probably more diverse and different than um, the RZA's was. But my argument for him was that I felt like the RZA had the deeper catalog based off of how many Wu-Tang albums he produced. See, yeah, Primo like, only like had the Gangstars, right. and, and, and remember, he would get one dope track on every hard or respected album. Like, like you, it was almost like if you was trying to get like a certain watch and shit, and, and, the, and the company don't want to give you the watch. Like, the nigga who make the watch tell you, oh, you can get that watch. So, he wasn't mm-hmm. making no beat for you. So it was like Primo was getting one beat on all of these dope-ass albums where the RZA was telling niggas, you going to rap to all 10 of these beats. And even if three yeah. of them is fucked up, you going to get one single. One, The nigga had a, a hit on every Wu-Tang album that probably came out for like a five to six year period making shit yes, himself. Did. And they told him he couldn't fucking make beats in the beginning. Like, like not the Wu-Tang, but you know, the record labels was like, man, fuck you. Them beats, that shit trash, and the nigga yeah, still like, was nigga. able to do it. You know what I mean? This nigga, like, this is a sound. See, what Rizzo did was, like, all right, Premier, he's one of my favorite producers. I just love the cuts and the hooks. I love the way he chop up the samples. But Premier made a sound for himself. We identify with Premier's sound. If you, if you was a, a music lover or artist or a DJ that just follow producers, you could tell a, a premier beat. The same way you could tell uh um same way you could tell a Timberland beat. The same way you could tell a uh you get what I'm saying? Like, but with um with the RZA, he created a sound for an era in time. That is way different. Like you created a sound for a for a collect for a group that spread out and became whoever they were going to be solo-wise, but they always came back to you because you created a sound. RZA gave us a sound. Wu-Tang has a sound. GameStar doesn't have a sound, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Wu-Tang has a sound, and that was because of RZA. RZA created that sound. It was, and then, uh, like, he had disciples that came after him, like mathematics made dope beats. You know what I mean? It was different motherfuckers involved in Wu-Tang that made dope beats, but the RZA, he the grandfather of that, in my opinion. You know what I'm definitely saying? Definitely like, is. He definitely like, is. Like, like you, you, like, 
incarcerated Scarfaces, ice cream, fucking Wu Gambino, Old Dirty Brooklyn Zoo. These beats was very unorthodox, and it was hard at the same time. Triumph, it's yours. Like, come on. Then, then you gotta, then you, then you still gotta look at like the way that those songs like came up, came about. Like, even even Wu Tang as the artist, like they had to perform with other artists. The beats were so good on their albums that when they was paired up with R and B artists, they had to actually like reach out to like the RZA and the other producers that and Wu Tang to get the cosign to say like, yo. We doing this beat right here, but this beat needs something else, and we need y'all element. Last but not least, I want to shout out my sons. Um, they turned six today. Shout out to their virtual lemonade stand, which is um, the exact business that's sponsoring our show today. So uh, my sons did excellent in their first uh, week of business. We doing great. Uh, like I always say, your support is always welcomed, and they actually welcome your support and they appreciate everybody who's made a purchase and we'll be fulfilling orders this weekend which is going to be anytime between April 25th through April 27th and um jasonjames.com is where you can make your purchase for the virtual lemonade stand and just so that no one is confused the lemonade stand is actually virtual because of the coronavirus so I was trying to explain to my sons that we can sell lemonade, but we actually have to make deliveries or allow people to pick it up the same way Grubhub or DoorDash would deliver it to you or drop off or whatever so that, you know, people stay safe. And I wanted their business to be that kind of realm so, like, we can stay safe. And I want them to be able to understand, like, their business doesn't just have to work as a regular brick-and-mortar place, that you can actually create um, great business without even being able to touch or you know, physically be around people, but I want them to understand that that's also the same way that you touch them. So you can touch people with the energy that you give off. And I felt like the story that I told on them wanting to get the business is what's making the business be successful. So I just need people to be patient because I didn't want to make a big announcement. But the real, um, the only issue we've ever had with the business so far is actually having the bottles to supply the lemonade. The making the lemonade is actually probably the easiest part. Um, making the lemonade, building the website, all of that kind of stuff, and my son's input on the designs and all of that. Like we actually do it all together, and um, they actually do like working. You know, um, I, I really want to say this is probably the easiest business venture that I ever delve into or dove into, and I just went. You know, I just dove in head first. And we just hit the ground running off the top. So um, Jason James Virtual Lemonade Stand, man, support us. And um, we're going to continue to try to find the best stories, uh, the best talent, and try to be as innovative as possible. And in closing, this is just a tidbit. And I know it's random and it's off the wall, but this is definitely something that I learned um, that I needed to take care of. So I have an issue. Sometimes I like to see my mail and I like to get the physical paper. So I get bills and things like that. So I was looking at it like letting my bills and stuff, um, just the paper parts pile up because I like to look back and say, oh, yeah, did I pay this or did I pay that? Or um, this is the date I need to do it. So I look at the date, put the date in my phone, my calendar so I know it'll pop up and I get a reminder. 
So then I just like I found myself like every two to three months, like the mail piling up is looking crazy. So what I started doing is I realized that the best thing that I could do is to start shredding my mail and then actually taking a picture or doing a scan inside of my iPhone, which I know in Android users, I guess y'all can scan or whatever it is, too. I don't want nobody trying to say I'm singling them out. But yeah, actually get your Google Drive account. Use your Dropbox, use your iCloud, scan your document into your phone, take a picture of it, upload it to your Google Drive, upload it to your iCloud, upload it to your Dropbox or whatever, you know, function that you use for saving documents. Get rid of all of that paper. It's way less, um, you know, cluttering, cluttering to your atmosphere. For me, my feng shui means everything. I can't make music. I can't come up with concepts, ideas. I can't do anything until my surrounding is clean and clear because my mind gets cluttered and I got too much going on. And I think this is something that would ultimately uh, create organization for all types of things that you do. So even if it's down to even with pictures, like organize your pictures in your folders. We ain't got nothing but time. The world probably not even going back to normal anytime soon. The earliest that people are going to probably start moving and things going to start moving around, maybe the middle of May. But if these numbers keep increasing with the coronavirus, we may not see anything until summer. So and and please don't get it twisted. It's a possibility that some of us might not see summer either. So let's take the time out now. Get organized. Take some time. Spend some time. Teach organization skills. And, you know, you never know. I believe everything that happened with this uh, pandemic is the reason that I'm doing this podcast right now and that I'm able to stay up late, get all of my ideas and thoughts out to my people and just keep encouraging others to keep moving our culture forward. Like they want to buy everything that we do. I saw DJs today, like speaking on um, using live in, there's an app called Mixcloud that we've been using for years and Mixcloud actually wants to pay the artists for streaming them if you play their songs live. So if you pay a subscription, you can actually get the person's song played while you're doing your live stream and then they'll record your live stream and hold it inside a cloud. But you have to pay $180 a year, whatever that equates to um, if you divide it by 12, whatever that's going to be. Doesn't matter to me because I feel like get your own website. You can use your Facebook live. You can use your Instagram live or you can just go to Zoom or whatever. Or you can just record your own things and you do not have to go live each and every day. You can still record what you want to record and upload it to Facebook or Instagram. Why does everything have to be in real time? When we were watching boxing as kids, we didn't see a Mike Tyson fight or a Sugar Ray Leonard fight all the time on pay-per-view. We didn't see it every time it came on. Half the time, half of the fights, I don't know, Pernell Whitaker, uh, Larry Spinks, George Foreman, half of those fights I saw on VHS before they even had the opportunity to replay them on cable. So, I mean... I know this isn't the 80s or the early 90s, but at the end of the day, man, y'all got to really think about what you're doing. Sometimes the thing that you're doing means way more to hold it and archive it. And that's why I play Smash in the beginning 
of this episode to let people know like these are time capsules and these things live on regardless if a person is still here with us RIP to smash and um, me and Reds discussed this and this is something that we've been building for years like just think that smash uh, song that I played is from a 2010 mixtape I am the streets so we're in 2020 and I had that in my iCloud so if I had that in my iCloud just imagine all of the work that countless people are doing and it goes to some company and it's streaming or wherever it may be and this person um, lost it or whatever, but you're willing to give away your product just because you want it to be in the spotlight for 15 seconds or let's say it'll be up and running for like, you know, 15 days. It'll be in people's feeds. But then after that, where does it go? Do they sell your information do they throw it to the black web somewhere? We don't know. But all I'm saying to you is make sure you protect yourself, you protect your investment, and you protect your work. And, you know, we'll continue to strive. We'll continue to do more. We'll continue to learn more. But sometimes we got to make mistakes before we actually get what we want. In closing, I appreciate y'all for listening to episode four. You can check me out at payrollpenthouse.com. Also, you can always log on to us at penthousetalk.com, sponsored Spotify, Apple, Deezer, various platforms. Just enjoy yourselves, man. I'll see y'all next week, and um, we got more coming. Hopefully, I can get Rich Randy on here, and I'm your host, Jay Piro. Y'all enjoy. <laughs>